I'm here with Christian Molinsky. My name is Borowski, and I am bored all the way. <laughs> with a glass tagline, Kelly Wine. See what happens when we encourage him? <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, after we saw Rocky Balboa, and then he made Rambo, the other guy. The other I, Indian. What's I like Rambo. What's the matter with you? The one where the he goes to one? Burma? Yeah, where he, like, where he kills like 300 people in Burma? No, with one machine like gun? Yeah. It is R-rated. Yeah. It's more than I can say for glass. Box. Uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Wait, are there more glass taglines? Finally, a Shyamalan movie with a retarded, unsatisfying twist. <laughs> uh, Kelly Wan, is there any less offensive tagline that's uh, more oh, in I'm keeping sorry. with it the times? Oh, sorry. It was satisfying. Are there other taglines? Uh, the titles of each trilogy installment give you an idea of its quality relative to the other two. Uh, I am thinking about that one. I, mm-hmm. Okay, you know what? I get it. Yep, yep, I got it. Got it. Dingus might disagree on that. We'll, we'll have more talk about that. Kelly Wand, are there three or four taglines for Glass? Speaking of things with cracks, I dropped the G in the L. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> Kelly Wand, now they're just getting juvenile. Like comic books. <laughs> Whoa! All right, Bill Maher. <clears throat> Dingus, yeah. before before Kelly Wan says something to get us in more hot water. I know what he's saying. Tell the listeners this a little. This movie's proof. This, never mind. Let the listeners Bill know. Maher. Don't spoil anything, Dingus. Just give them the basics. What do we see? All right. This <sighs> week we saw. This week we saw Glass. A 2019 American superhero thriller drama science fiction M Night C U movie about delusions of grandeur it was written and directed by m night Shyamalan. it hmm. stars james mcavoy hmm. bruce willis samuel l jackson anya taylor joy oh. sarah paulson yeah charlaine woodward and spencer treat clark oh, another three namer that's right <laughs> glass is rated pg-13 for violence, including some bloody images, thematic elements, and language. <laughs> thematic elements. Kids, you're not ready. Uh, is there it's more that, that uh, belongs on that list of warnings there for parents, Kelly Wand? Disapproved of by the Comics Code Authority. B+. Plus. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, let's take a look at Glass. Let's see. Not Shattered Glass. Let's see. Shattered Glass is at 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. Hmm. And look who stars on that. Regular Glass, however, 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. Only 36% of the reviews are positive. Uh, on Metacritic, the average rating from various reviews, 42 out of 100. The Cinema Score rating, and you think those numbers are bad. The Cinema Score rating, B. Ouch. However, Glass opened at number one with uh, $40 million on its opening weekend. Everything's 40s. Except for the Rotten Tomatoes score and Kelly Wand, that's 36. B's the F of movies. It is. It is, Kelly Wand. That's very What's funny. the F? What's an F, then? Like a Z? 
uh, uh, I guess the witch. Maybe they don't know there's more letters, and it just goes to B. Right, they Maybe just they sort of fade. They just lose interest as they're going A, B before they even get to C. They're bored of the, the grading yeah. system. They've yeah. never seen a, a B sure. before, so they're excited sure. to get to use it. They're Why the teacher they... now. Why do they skip E in the grading system? Who knows? I don't know. I, and Dingus, yeah. you taught? Yeah, why don't you explain that to us? You, and we have 50 B vitamins, and then there's no um, G vitamin. What's up with that shit? Dingus, you worked in the vitamin industry. Well, see, the, you have to take vitamin D if you're going to get the rest of it into your blood. And you <laughs> take should the also... D, Dingus. Dingus, be sure to get the D. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get the D. <laughs> How much water have you been drinking, Tom? Get the D. I, I'm still on the get the D line. That was great. Uh, okay, Dingus. Or no, <laughs> not, not, Dingus, let's go to Kelly Wan now for Thoughts? some serious business about M. Night Shyamalan's glass. Kelly Wan, I am excited for this one. Uh, mm. Should I be? Um, I wouldn't. All right. Well. <laughs> you can only be. It's only good news either way. Well, Kelly Wan, why don't you show me what you got by giving me a synopsis of the movie Glass? I actually, when I looked at it, I I go, I better apologize before I do it. That was my last thought about it. All right, what was your question? You want to hear it? All right, what'd you say it was? <laughs> I I did not actually. Uh, obviously, it's the Glopsis, Glass Poppus. Uh, I like Glopsis a lot. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I had Glassopsis, but Glopsis is way better. I like Glopsis. All right, let's Glopsis. go ahead. Some words are all. Egyptians invented comic books. Anubis was Dogman, brah. M. Night Shyamalan. Haley Joel Osment's now 52 years old. He's in a garage wearing a headset looking at a notebook of catchphrases he wants his dad to start saying. Hello, Dad. Hey, I came up with a couple new ones. Um, uh, looks like I'm going to punch you in the face because poncho... Uh, also, please don't throw those water balloons. They kill me. Um, <laughs> also, I didn't get this one you sent. A good day to die hard. What? I, don't, I don't understand what that means. Also, uh, I was thinking maybe since you're allergic to water, like the aliens and signs, maybe it would be more effective fighting crime in Arizona. Yeah, I like the Arizona one. No, that wasn't a catchphrase. That was, that was just me. No, I like it. Geography. Study of rocks. Spray paint on the side of the Unbreakmobile. Also, what about gluing those gold barbells on the hood and the sunroof like I asked? Yeah, that's dumb. I, I asked. Also, the Unbreakmobile keeps overheating. I told you, son, water kills me. Yeah, about that. I mean, the human body is 90% water. I know the only diagnosis on that you've gotten was from a psychotic serial killer without a medical degree. No, an insane asylum, but I think maybe we should get a second opinion. I mean, it's like saying you're allergic to oxygen or scarjos using 100% of her brain, you know. Don John. Also, for your superhero name, I was thinking the Green Guard, even though you're not really green, and the baseball stadium fired you 17 years ago for beating up everybody you brushed against. What about maybe the Gray Poncho or Fuck Water Man, Barbell Man? Hang on, I just brushed against somebody. Bruce brushes against some 20-something extras. He suddenly has a flashback of the guy with his friends confronting another guy of the same build in a parking lot. Please, I like the psychotic serial killer grandparents. I'm just saying, the white kid character rapping at the end was dumb. Please, no. The bullies concur with him, but still beat him up. <laughs> yeah, party. Woo! Come on, guys, let's go to our separate homes. That night, Bruce Willis breaks into one random bully's house and beats him to death, just like a superhero would. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that's the real, that's the grounded part, see? And in cheerleader news, a bunch of them have been captured again by rascally multiple personality enthusiast James McAvoy. 
enthusiast. Police have many leads, one for each personality, but nah. Hey, Osmit to dad. Uh, so according to this app I made, uh, statistically, McAvoy's character should be bumping into you in a couple seconds. Uh, by the way, that was lame when mom died. There's a flashback to Robin Wright. Osmond to dad, and that was lame. That's great. <laughs> There's a flashback to Robin Wright staring at M. Night across a desk. She's all, you want me to stand in front of a sink with my back to the audience? <laughs> and my head tilted right to the side. Exactly. Different hair color I've never had in the movie. In a sequel to what? Directed by who? Will Smith's son's name is what? He's all, it's whom? Yeah, I can almost <laughs> picture her standing, wearing a wig, standing in the kitchen with her back to us as if it was 19 years ago. Son, okay, I'm bored. Coming in, hit the barbells and orange juice, ready. Never mind, here comes back, boy. Finally, I'm in a superhero movie besides X-Men Wanted and Atonement. <laughs> I'm personality number 14. Oh, jeez. I think my personality's name's Patricia Martha Magdalene. The baby! Jira! Oh, Destroyer! Shut up, fool! <laughs> Fuck you, chick! Uh, Dad to Haley. Okay, uh, I think he's only got 16 more to show. Uh, then I can try my usual bear hug maneuver. Uh, base to Dad. Hey, I was thinking only one of his personalities actually has any superpowers. The rest are just a bunch of voices, I guess, from his reel. Um, so there's a 25 and 26 chance that the fight will be anticlimactic in a good way. Um, what's he doing now? He's like doing a dance or something on a steel roll-down door of a warehouse. I guess I'll take notes on his dance moves and follow him after I brush against the door and have another flashback. I look over at Dingus sitting beside me and go, What's Mr. Glass's character's last name again? <sighs> Dingus makes that sound. Followed by Price. <laughs> That's him night for you, Dingus. Always doing callbacks for you. Later at a warehouse full of manacled cheerleaders. Mr. McAvoy, um, can you like at least unbolt us while we're forming our like human pyramid? These chains make our pom-poms rattle too loud. Quiet, Brittany, you too, Buffy. Now from the top, give me a G. Hey, don't yell, Brittany. I'm taking her to prom. Uh, no. I, like, already said yes to the shut-up fool one. When I was professor, my carpet matched the drapes. Oh, natural. Like, a uh, babies. Hey, girls, don't worry. It's me, David Dumb. Uh, forgot my secret identity name. How many of you were born when Unbreakable came out? Uh, no one? Okay. Hang on, I'm going to break the steel bar by uh, moving it slowly with my hands. Cheerleaders are all, ow, our wrists, dude, wow, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, wait, hang on. I just need to make sure none of you are serial killers. By touching our boobs? Yeah, it's my superpower. My mind is also unbreakable. Hang on, I better double check. No, I'm a serial killer, I admit it. You could just be saying that. I need to be sure. Hey, Dad, McAvoy's standing in front of you. Oh, uh, which personality's the strong one? 
This time I'm the Meg White Man! <laughs> Dingus, she's the beast. It's not racist. She's the strong one. While McAvoy's chest turns CG and makes snarling noises, he and Bruce Willis take turns smashing each other into poorly lit walls inconclusively for a bit. <laughs> Damn, he knows the bear hug too! <gasps> Suddenly some Klieg lights shine on them. A cop raises a bullhorn and goes, James McAvoy, uh, 126 of you is under arrest for dancing on a metal door. Um, Bruce Willis, all of you is under arrest for saving some cheerleaders. Later, in the Psychiatriastic Institute for three people who think they have superpowers, <laughs> Mr. Willis, I'm Bird Box's Sarah Paulson. Um, <laughs> my name in this is Dr. Stapler. Um, that's not Kelly. That's Shyamalan. Beside her, a catatonic Sam Jackson looks up from his wheelchair and drools, The Deus Ex Machina with a stupid name. Classic comic book trope. Yeah, hey Sam. Thanks for backing me up to the cops 19 years ago after they asked how I knew you blew up people. The Chekhov's MacGuffin. Olsen rolls her eyes. Anyway, guys, eyes up here. Here. Uh, I ran some tests, and you're not superheroes, especially Jackson, obviously. Weak bones um, is not classified as a superpower, even by nerds. Um, so yeah, Mr. Willis, you're obviously nuts, um, although we did fill your room with pipes that shoot water in your face, just in case we're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that expensive and we were having a public problem in there anyway so just had to do some ACDC uh, speaking of which McAvoy's allergic to light um, <laughs> is there anything you'd like to say Mr. Willis uh, I don't think I have any more lines in this <laughs> You saw the bear hug, right? Jackson farts and looks depressed at us. Come on, Dr. Pulsed, that can't be acting. He's the greatest supervillain in movie history. Look at his purple tuxedo. Arnold spray-painted silver wheels his chair into the room. Doctor, I am also a doctor. I use my medical degree to make people's cold over there by shooting them with the special gun I made out of Joe Schumacher. Is my other superpower. What do you get from sitting on the ice too long? Polaroids. Sorry. Yeah, saying things like that's my other superpower. I'm also the governor of California. Okay, those are good points. Arnold might be superpowered, but the rest of you need shock treatment. And in red herring news, a building now exists. The Osaka Tower. <laughs> Experts are calling it the architectural marvel of <laughs> D.C., huh? even though it's in Philadelphia. An extra M. Night Shyamalan thought looked like an architect claims that it's, quote, an okay place for superheroes and supervillains to fight inside of. <laughs> in a more conventional film, end of quote. Former abduction enthusiast and goth cheerleader Anya Taylor-Joy's character had this to say. Why ask me about a building? We eventually stopped watching Paulson and the other characters eventually stopped watching TV. Later, in McAvoy's room, a comical medical entrance all, Hey, McAvoy! He clicks the magic light off and on and only works on McAvoy's. <laughs> Make it so! 
I'm the best cheese on campus. Fuck you, chick. Baby. This Sunday from 3 to 3.04, I will be appearing in my spacesuit from Place Beyond the Pines on Telemundo's Telethon to raise awareness, where I will be performing the entire lyrics from City of Stars using only a car horn. Or as I call it, a star horn. So brazen. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Nightmare. Eventually the intern gets bored and Shyamalan runs out of electricity. Meanwhile, in a comic book store. Hi, I'm Anya Taylor Joy. Do you have anything on the new mutants? I forget which one I am. Should I be Scarlet Witch? <laughs> Get it? JK. The incel behind the counter's all. Uh meanwhile, Stapler makes Willis, McAvoy, and Glass sit in a pink room and stare at her. Jackson mumbles. Classic pink room splash panel. So comics. Whew. Mr. Willis, um, that was a fascinating story about you weightlifting. Thank you for retelling it. Um, but I think we can all agree that the water thing makes zero sense. Beside me, Green Lantern's all, water? I can't think of anything stupider to be allergic to. <laughs> now let's pass the pillow back to Mr. McAvoy. James, you say your superpower is the ability to irritate cheerleaders. <laughs> I can also crawl on ceilings when I get angry at gravity. My kryptonite's Albert Brooks with a knife and also <laughs> blue light. Fascinating. Now I'd like to talk to the shut up fool woman again. She holding in her arms. The baby! Okay, now we're making real psychiatric progress. And the audience is being entertained. Mr. Glass, anything from you? You are the title character. No? Nothing? Okay. Uh, yes, Bruce, question. Uh, no offense, Dr. Bidez, from Madeline Stowe again. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was all right. Also, shouldn't my blood be different or bone marrow? And why am I aging? This is dumb. I hate that guy playing my son. Hey, Sam, remember Die Hard 3? Let's pretend we're our Pulp Fiction characters in this. Shut up, fool! McAvoy, red flag. Arnold, we Arnold wheels on stage and tries to squeeze in between McAvoy and Jackson. I, when our eyes not eyes, when the cold arctic winds makes them water. Based on Arnold's joke, Paulson has her doctors give Sam Jackson a lobotomy, which gives him a flashback to a deleted scene from the Unbreakable DVD. I remember watching. That night, Jackson's male nurse friend, who likes to play a fun game with him called Catch My Flashlight, sits in front of Jackson and goes, Hey man, I thought you and Christina Ricci were really similar in Black Snakes on a Plane. Sam Jackson waves a hand at his face, which I guess makes him fall asleep. Later, outside Willis's door, Bruce, it's me. I'm going to tell you how to escape, just like villains always do in comic books. Hit your door with your body a bunch of times. Huh? Yeah. I'll be waiting for you at the Osaka Tower for the climactic Die Hard showdown with McAvoy. <laughs> Die Hard the comic book. Unless my master plan something more confusing. Bye. We listen to his wheels squeak as he wheels himself backwards towards some stairs and then down a bunch, crashing and banging. Jackson screaming, This is just like in comic books, Al. Oh yeah, hit the door with my body. I didn't think of that. Way to outsmart these water guns. Whoever's writing me is ingenious. He 
He starts smashing repeatedly into the door with his face, which fortunately no one hears because no one works or lives there. And no one's watching at any of the hundreds of cameras Paulson has strung up everywhere. Later, in the asylum parking lot, Hi, I'm Annie Taylor Joy. Um, and I'm Mr. Glass's mom. Guess I'm late to watch the lobotomy. <laughs> and I'm Haley Joel Osment, middle-aged. Let's just stand here on these front steps and face the same direction. Hey, look, the main characters we're all related to, except for Anya, are all fighting, except for Jackson. Jackson wheels up to them and goes, All the main characters watching stuff happen on some steps. Classic comic book trope. McAvoy growls and starts flipping over a police car with two asylum cops inside watching quietly. The asylum cop in the driver's seat's wiser, older, so he's all. Good thing we put on our seatbelts. As the car tips over and out of frame, Anya Taylor Joy walks up, takes McAvoy's hand, and goes, I just want you to know my uncle's in jail. So. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> she walks off. Some more asylum employees show up and watch, eating popcorn. Willis tricks a giant tank of water he accidentally got stuck in by smashing it open with his fists, then bear-hugging it. <laughs> McAvoy's all, Now to prove that no man controls the horn and to do Sam Jackson's bidding. Willis leads over, touches Sam Jackson's nipple, looks at McAvoy and goes, Hey, blew up your mom. Uh, part of his master plan to try to find someone... Uh, like me, who's unbreakable, that you could shake hands with, who'd call the police on him. Jackson's all, so? I kill a lot of moms. McAvoy snarls and breaks Sam Jackson's Chinaware plates that he tried to smuggle out of the asylum under his still spotless and pressed purple coat. Anya walks up and goes, McAvoy, can you turn back into Gosling for a second? There's something I need to say to him. <laughs> all right, what is it? <laughs> I have closure from the second movie. So, not sure why I'm here now, though, then. Some extras shoot McAvoy. And you tell the joys all, oh, fuck, now I'm traumatized again. Oh! My <laughs> closure. Sarah Paulson walks up and dunks Bruce Willis's head in a mud puddle while the guards and Haley Joel Osment watch. Paulson's all, by the way, I'm part of a secret organization that hates Shyamalan characters. We've existed for centuries, but I've been on break for 19 years. Um, we've only found three of you so far in all that time. Now, I know the rest of your body's not in the water, but she dunks his head till he gets bored and dies. Then she stands up and tells all the guards and Willis's son and Mama Glass and Eddie Taylor-Joy, hey, can we not tell anyone this happened? Uh... I can't tell you why I don't want you to, but thanks. Arnold wheelchairs into view. Why does it take longer to make a blonde snow woman? Because you have to hollow out the head. <laughs> As Glass also dies randomly, Anya Taylor-Joy, Haley Joel, and Glass's mom decide they all like each other and go to a bus station together. They sit on a bench and stare at us. Suddenly, there's a flashback of Jackson dying. He's all... By the way, audience, this wasn't a logical resolution. It was an origin story. Oh. Beside me, Zack Snyder's all, Hose! 
Jesus! Suddenly, throughout the bus station, people start staring at their phones as Mr. Glass's ghost spam emails everyone, YouTube clips of McAvoy talking in different voices, and Sam Jackson getting hurt. A guy in a MAGA hat stands up and goes, Guys, there's no way any of this could be fake. Except Andy Taylor-Joy's accent. Mrs. Glass's mom's all, Now the whole world will know whatever the fuck just happened. A spinning newspaper headlines all, Bruce Willis was a ghost. The end. <laughs> uh, kind of a rush job. But Kelly, you did, you just, everything you said was pretty much in the movie. You just said things yeah. that were in the movie. It, uh, it was yeah. easy. I just transcribed. <laughs> I just, yeah. You just said facts. Right. All right, uh, let, let me go first. <clears throat> um... I, I I I didn't like this. Of course, my my issue here is uh, I I occasionally will think of M Night Shyamalan as uh, just a talented filmmaker who just can't quite see a project through, and there there are flashes of just genius, even in his crappiest thing. Like I'm I'm a, a defender of the concept behind the happening. I think the happening is ridiculous. It's a terrible movie, but I love this idea that there's an ecological disaster that forces people apart. Uh, into isolation, and it's it's an existential apocalypse. Like I, I think the happening not a bad idea, right? The happening is a potentially cool script, and it's just not executed well. It's not executed well, and Mark Wahlberg is not appropriate for the lead, and M Night Shyamalan loses control of it. Um, and I even, you know, I watched Split again and Unbreakable, and I'm looking forward to talking about that uh, in the podcast. And, and again, I just see flashes of brilliance. I haven't seen Unbreakable since it was in the theaters. And just as a filmmaker with the camera work and some of the storytelling, there's some really nice stuff in Unbreakable, even though I, I don't like the movie. Um, but then I see something like this that just seems completely uh, – throughout, I'm wondering, what is he thinking? This is absurd. It's terrible. My issue here is that the guy who made Split, which I think is really cool and really holds up and does some great things and focuses on on, uh, on its strengths, the guy who made Split wanted to combine that with Unbreakable. And instead of focusing on what made Split good, he doubles down on what made Unbreakable dumb. So that's why I didn't like this. My over and under are, are movies that I think are terrible that happen to have Bruce Willis in them. Uh, and my over is a movie called Marauders from a couple of years ago. And Marauders is a, a kind of a, a penny-ante version of the movie Heat, where Bruce Willis is the Robert De Niro character, and Christopher Maloney is the Al Pacino character, and Christopher Maloney is having a grand time in Marauders. Marauders is worth watching just to see what happens when you let Christopher Maloney run away with a movie and do whatever he wants. Uh, it's a terrible movie. Bruce Willis is in it, does nothing for it, but Christopher Maloney is a lot of fun to watch. My under is something that I showed Dingus a frame from recently, uh, a horrible Frank Grillo movie where he plays, uh, again, it's related, you mean? To, related to a bank robbery thing. Uh, and it's basically a Frank Grillo uh, thriller. And there's poor Frank Grillo is just in so many horrible movies these days. But Bruce Willis is in Reprisal. That's the name of the movie, Reprisal. Barely, like there are scenes that he obviously wasn't present for the shooting, and they had a stand-in for him. And Dingus, I don't know if you remember me showing you. There's a scene where Frank Grillo is walking out of his house, and Bruce Willis plays his neighbor. And Bruce Willis is supposed to be working out in the driveway next door, and they clearly have a body double or just a stand-in for Bruce Willis. 
and they dub in his voice and they they edit in a shot of Bruce Willis turning around that is clearly shot on a completely different day. There's no continuity. Uh, it's just ridiculously inept filmmaking. So uh, it's worse than uh, Glass, uh, a movie called Reprisal. Are they playing basketball? Uh, I think – no, there's a basketball court. He might be shooting hoops, Dingus. You might be right. Yeah, I, they, I think he is shooting hoops, yeah. And I, and I think I after, – I, after you showed me that, I think I – I thought of a Frank Grillo thriller as Grillers from now on. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's kind of a thing these days, Dingus. Yeah, I'm sorry to say. So, Dingus, what's, tasty. what's an over and under, and what was your takeaway on Glass? Uh, I I really love this movie, and oh. I love I, I I am really excited to talk about it. Uh, I just especially feel like given, Dingus, ahead, I feel what? like I've been kicked. Okay, well I I look forward to hearing about this. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I I don't mean to kick you. But I, I I really love this, especially since I'm I'm clearly in the minority given what our our, our emailers have have uh, emailed. <laughs> I'm I'm not even close to to being on the radar on this, especially That's since. That's more exciting. Uh, yeah, people, I'm psyched. Yeah. Other yeah. people I've talked to tonight uh, are like, "This is a hot mess. What are you talking about?" Um, it's at least a hot mess. Yeah. Maybe that's what you like. Uh, I just love what he's reaching for. Um, so my under would be uh, a movie that uh, reaches for the idea of using uh, true love as uh, a way of conveying sort of a plot element, and that would be the fifth element. I'm not a fan of the fifth element, so I would put the fifth element underneath this um, because I, I think that this movie does something uh, along those lines of of playing with that idea, but doesn't quite get there. Um, but I, I, I don't like the fifth element uh, quite as much. So over this, I would put just slightly uh, another uh, what what is what calls itself, and this movie calls itself this, and I like that. I like that about this, and this is a longstanding argument that I have that with the two of you. Uh, I love origin stories, and I love that this movie calls it, it calls itself what it is. This this is an origin story, and uh, and I like that M Night Shyamalan is reaching for that. And so uh, the movie I would put above this is what calls itself a hardcore origin story, and that would be uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. So Kelly, you're next. Kelly Wan, sometimes you have to choose sides on this podcast. Are you with me or are you with Dingus? I'm split. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, – and I'm probably on the opposite side of you, Tom, because I wanted it to be dumber. And I was really loving it at first and how dumb and crazy it was. Um, but I was really enjoying it. And then I hated the ending. Like the last 20 minutes. Oh, like wow. Was, you you and hate just- it. You and Justin D. Hurd are in the same page because he loved the first uh, two thirds. First half's and, awesome, and he wished Although, he would have walked out on the last twenty minutes, basically. Well, he whiffs on both the fights, and I, I, I go, all right, the super fight's too conventional. It's what we were really looking forward to, but you don't want to do it. That's fine. But what are you getting? What are you getting out of what do you give us? In- place of that like what am i supposed to feel about these three surviving <laughs> characters at the end i don't know mama glass she's not in the movie at all i was really disappointed that bruce willis was barely at it because his character was kind of a zombie in unbreakable and i was really curious about that character and where he was now and the movie's called glass so it implies it's going to be 
a three so but it's mostly McAvoy doing all the heavy lifting it's mostly about his character and I don't I don't know I felt really gypped at the end like really three and I think it was a rush job too like he's he made this instantly he wrote it super fast after split was a hit he's like okay but it I mean it, it has that episode eight feel of like yeah uh, just gonna roll the dice and hope like there's just no structure to it and um i don't know why the sarah paul like i like the idea of the sarah paulson twist but i don't know what we get out of that either so what's your over under oh my over is unbreakable because um i remember hating the ending to that when i first saw but it's grown on me over time and it also is good value as a movie um and my under is the village because I hate all of the village. I don't even like the setup. I mean, the setup of this is great. Um, and I'm like, oh yeah, okay. So like, I didn't see how it could suck. And then the dialogue's so weird, and this it's just so dopey that the son is now, and they don't miss the mom at all. I don't know. Like, I was really enjoying how idiotic it was. Like, I was really with it. And. I don't know what that bus station's supposed to... If it's their origin story, what's the origin? Like, they're going to form a group? Sarah Paulson's their enemy? Like, I don't even know what their attitude is on what just happened. Nothing. Stupid movie. Stupid Shyamalan. All right. Let's go I'm watch really, it again. I'm actually really looking forward to... Well, I, you know, we have a writer in her who, whose name is John Renninger who kind of agrees with something that you just said, which is that, uh, you know... Since the movie is called Glass, why isn't Samuel L. Jackson talking? That's his master plan that she puts up cameras. He didn't manipulate her. To but he, but he, but his practical point is why isn't he top build? But I'm, I'm really right. interested in hearing what Tom has to say about how he feels about Unbreakable because I think he said it's not he didn't like movie, it. but he, but he <clears throat> liked it. You don't like the weightlifting, bro? Come on. No, no, I don't. So uh, Unbreakable, uh, like I said, I hadn't seen it since uh, it, it was in theaters. Uh, I do remember certain scenes. They, they stood out for me, and I, I reappreciated. There were some really bold things he does, specifically with yeah. camera work. And you can tell this is a guy who uh, has has learned from Hitchcock, and, and not just to Abe yeah. him, but he does some just really cool, clever stuff with setting up scenes, with shooting them. Uh, but I, I think Unbreakable... Uh, I think Unbreakable is a little misguided for its love. It's kind of prescient, by the way. Its love of comic book right. stuff. I think it's, it's forced. after all that. Yeah. I think it's super forced for how it tries to bring up comic books as a mythology, and it gets a little laughable there. Uh, and I, I think a lot of the the slow, drawn out pacing doesn't work. Uh, especially as the movie goes on. It's great early on. Um, and then also, I just think that there's some really awkward bits, like yeah. when uh, Spencer Clark Treat, the little kid, is going to shoot him with a gun. That's like, that horrible, scene, isn't it? That's yeah. a horrible scene. And also just things like <laughs> things that, that should be super mysterious and, and weird. Like when he has to ask his wife and his superior... Have I ever been sick? I mean, how do you not remember if you've never been, been sick right. a day in your life? And, and th- like, I love yeah. that there, he wants this to be a slow realization, but that's so awkward, this idea that, gosh, I, I guess I haven't been sick. Let me ask my boss. Let right. me ask my wife in this long, drawn – I mean, I get the idea. It's unrealistic. Slow, <clears throat> and it's right. He slowly proud. wants to build up this reveal about Bruce Willis's past. Um, and I also see bits like, you know, I can see – into other things he's going to do, like with the the car wreck flashback and signs, uh, where mm-hmm. I, I think they're they're far less effective in, in later movies. Um, 
So I, I just don't I, – I, Unbreakable starts out very intriguing, but it, I just think the comic book stuff is really misguided. And that's my issue with this is that it really doubled down on all that comic book stuff, and none of that worked for me. And it just felt really awkward and forced. And it did it in the wake of the comic book. Like now, everything like Unbreakable came out before every fucking movie was a comic book right, movie. Right. Right. Now we're watching this a couple of weeks after Aquaman, so it's really weird in a way, like to see to revisit that universe after. Like it makes you wonder: Do comic does all the do all these comic movies exist in the Unbreakable universe? Like, is the sun like, hey, look, we're just like. That did, would have made Sarah Paulson's point even more pro, like, profound. Like, yeah, we're living in an age where every movie is a fucking comic movie. Of course you think you're a superhero. Like, she could have said something like I that. I did notice. I was wondering if they were going to be able to say the word Superman. Because uh, early on, they, they talk about him being uh, a, a character in a cape and tights. And they don't actually say his name, but then eventually they say, they say the name Superman. So right. DC Comics does exist in this universe, at least. Yeah. Right. But not necessarily it's, Jason Momoa. Because they – because they – the guy actually says, you know, Superman couldn't fly originally. I mean, uh, I think that those do exist in this universe. No, they definitely do, because early on they, they avoid saying his name when Anya Taylor-Joy is getting the little history lesson in the comic book shop. Yeah. But then, then later on they specifically say Superman in Metropolis. Like all She she brings all that up specifically. Right. That's a stupid point. It's like, oh, yeah, this one guy – Superman couldn't fly originally. Therefore, all this is true. <laughs> Sarah Paul's is part of an organization. It's not point to a neophyte or to somebody who's learning or who is is sort of in the nascent understanding of what what comic books are and how the how this world's being built and it's, what's it's the code. because because what he's doing is what Glass is talking about what Mr. Glass is talking about is the building of mythology and what he believes is how mythology works as far as how we structure our understanding of the universe and and what's true and what's not true um and and what is what we've made to be uh supernatural and what what is actually if these things actually exist how are they possible and how would they exist within a human paradigm so what i think what m night Shyamalan is trying to do is squeeze a superhero world into a human paradigm that actually makes sense instead of su- uh, an OP Superman who doesn't make any sense to us. thing is, how is that any different from just certain strains of comic books like X-Men? Um, I don't know that it's any different, actually, okay. Tom. I, I, I honestly don't know. I uh, th- That's one of the things I kind of love about this is because I think, I think he's trying to... I think what he's doing is... is I, he he gives me this feeling that number one, he honestly loves and understands comics in a way that I do not. Uh, I'm not. I was not privy to that growing up. Uh, but he's also trying to create his own mythology going forward. So I I don't know how that I don't know how all that works. He might be making his own universe, and that's why I think I think that's kind of cool. So. Um, I mean, he. I, I think I agree with you in that he obviously loves comics, and 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 that's, you know, kudos. You, you talk about the reach of this movie, and he certainly deserves like his reach in Unbreakable and in this is certainly admirable. I mean, he's definitely swinging for the fences or whatever. Yeah, the yeah. Metaphor he's not be. hitting anything. But Dingus, I kind of disagree when you say he understands comics. At least how mm. I understand comics in my very own limited uh, pop culture contemporary way, and the reason I say that, Dingus, is. 
yes, he understands the role of comics in mythology and storytelling and history, and I can sort of appreciate all that. But his expression of comic books I just really doesn't work for me in, on all three levels. One, Bruce Willis as a guy in a poncho I think is kind of silly. Um, right. it, it, it doesn't even look like something out of a comic. It looks like you know Eli Roth's Death Wish had the same thing, unfortunately. But a guy in a poncho beating up thugs, like that's not necessarily a superhero thing. Uh, Mr. Glass, like the whole twist at the end of Unbreakable, <laughs> right. which which I thought was kind of bold, is that Mr. Glass is a is a terrorist. He doesn't have superpowers. Yeah. He's a guy who's mass murdering people, looking for someone who's un, who's Im- immortal, unbreakable, who can't be damaged. That's not a superhero. That's like a madman. That's a terrorist. That's insane. And then James McAvoy is a horror movie character who kind of got appropriated for for this. And I can sort of see his role in this most naturally. He's kind of the least laughable one because of the great groundwork that he he laid in Split. Um, But I agree with you in that he loves comics, but his expression of comics with these three characters just really felt off to to me. I I think it – I I, I agree with you, but I think where where we diverge is that I think that's on purpose. Because I think what he's trying to show is that uh, here's somebody who understands the printed word, and here's what the reality is. Um, what actually happens when somebody shows up in a poncho is that they look silly. It doesn't look like something that's written on the page that would look it's cool, like, like Batman saying, the, the rain on my chest is a baptism. Uh, it, 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 that's his cape. <sighs> I mean that that's his protection against his particular kryptonite. He's wearing his cape. And and yeah, I mean that might look silly, but this is what it would actually look like. I think that he's he's showing what glass would actually turn out to be and what what you know, what his intention is is different from the way that it might work in the real world. And I think what uh what M. Night Shyamalan is trying to do is is mash these two things together the comic book world and how would this actually work in the real world um with some of these other extra elements that also like with the sarah paulson character who has this sort of weird sort of john wick uh uh what was the name of the hotel in john wick i can't remember Uh, the red Um, the continental Continental. Continental. Uh, so with this sort of continental kind of vibe to it like how would that how how can I mash these things together? So I think she I think you're right, but but I think I what you dislike about it is kind of what I like about it is that he's he's trying to take superheroes and say what would it actually be like if a human had to deal with these issues uh, and and act and feel like they could be. Uh, impervious to normal pain, but still be mortal. Do, do you think Dingus? So there's the scene where Bruce Willis goes through the patient item room and pulls out his poncho. Uh, do you think the movie wants uh, like, like is that supposed to be like like thrilling or stirring when he gets his poncho out and, and puts it on? Or pathetic? Because well, to me, to be I think pathetic. It, yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I thought it was it looked ridiculous, but I kind of thought the movie. Wanted me to think it was cool, and I yeah, who knows? Here comes the poncho. Yeah, I mean, who who knows like what the filmmaker intends, and but but I I thought this is silly, 
but I also thought, I think M. Night thinks this is really cool. And who knows? I But that was just an instance where I felt like M. Night Shyamalan obviously loves comics, but this expression of them does it like when Captain America shows up in his cool new blue outfit? I love looking at what Captain America changes his outfits to. Like I love when he wears. I love when comic books know how cool their heroes' outfits are and play on those. And I just was worried watching that scene. Oh, I think M Night Shyamalan thinks the poncho is cool. Um, but Dingus, to your point, I don't. My takeaway on the finale was. And it was that he sets up that there's going to be a big battle at a skyscraper, which is what, what how a Marvel right. movie would right. end. Right. And instead, it's just people punching each other in the parking lot. So my takeaway was, <laughs> man, he whiffed there. He didn't have the budget for a skyscraper. Why didn't he write that out? But it sounds like, Dingus, what you're saying is that this is just more of a grounded, real-life take, and he's kind of intentionally – playing on the idea that right. there's going to be a huge grand battle at a skyscraper. Nope, that's not how it works. Um, I honestly think, I think that's, that's on true. purpose. I yeah. think that I think that he's playing with us as far Just as annoying because <laughs> still your your point about him picking out the poncho is a really great point because the music swells yeah. in this moment that's sort of like uh, oh this is supposed to be stirring but it's still pathetic. Uh, but the unbreakable theme's awesome. For, <laughs> For me, it's it's that feeling of what is what did we expect was going to happen? What is the actual real world like human reality of if there were if there were a person who was a real world real human superhero, how would he have to deal with the world? And it might be like a it might be swelling music, but honestly, I just have to put on a poncho because uh, it's not like Peter Parker getting to like. In the first Spider-Man, he makes his own crappy costume, and then he gets this awesome costume eventually. Uh, well, he's not going to get an awesome cape. He's going to get. He's going to have this security, this thing with security on the back. That's what he's going to get. That's all he's going to get. That's all he can afford. That's all he's going to have. He's not going to have some magical spandex. And then we're going to talk jokingly about spandex later on. I think he's doing this on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a huge risk. And yeah. uh, um, lost Tom uh, and, <laughs> and me. <laughs> but but that's okay. I mean, he lost a lot of people. I mean, I, but I why I, a, t- a couple of people tonight, tonight were just like, this just doesn't work for me at all. And I said, did you see Unbreakable or Split? They're like, no, I don't understand anything that's going on in this movie. Well, I I think well, that's, that's yeah, on that's, them. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's different from what I'm saying. It's I not, saw those movies and it didn't work. Oh, okay. Well, no, I, I do think, though, I mean, trying to watch this without having seen Unbreakable and Split is folly. Like, that, yeah. that good lord, of course you'd be lost. That's yeah. your fault. It's not, right. That's not M. Night Shyamalan's Because he's clearly making this as a follow-up to both of them, and that's kind of cool because I don't I don't think the movie – like, I even felt that little button at the end of Unbreakable was super forced. Um, mm. So you do have to see both of them to understand you mean what at least he's attempting split. here. Yeah. Where, yeah. where he's looking at – Way to justify any Taylor Joy's uh, return. Jesus. Well, I, so, I wouldn't be there. Jo- so jo- uh, Josh Lubliner is another one who wrote in. How do you guys feel about – he's talking about like this this idea of it being 18 years removed as a sequel. Right. Work for you. Which makes – it's a huge plot hole because Sarah Paulson's character oh, – that's so stupid. Is she, is she a high school student or is she a teacher? Why is she at the high school? I don't understand who she is. Sarah – or Annie Taylor-Joy? 
And you and you tear joy. Well, I I got to. Am I wrong that the movies are that the the timeline is the same as the timeline of the re- release of the movies? That split just happened a couple of years ago. Yeah, and Unbreakable the happened older. Nineteen years ago. Yeah, yeah. Like I. It's the same actor. I, I think he's. Oh, yeah. I think he. I think oh. he's consistent there. Like I, I. I don't think there's a. Like I think clearly, oh, Unbreakable okay. happened a long time ago. Bruce Willis has been doing this for nineteen years, and two years ago, Anya Taylor Joy was kidnapped by uh, Kevin Crumb Randall, whatever his name was. And now the police are instantly. It's, oh, okay. Oh, Jesus, I, I, I can't think about it for long. I start getting a headache. All right, I put all those together. Story. Well, but I, I, I'm with you. So, it, and part of my issue too, because I, I have to admit. As much as I really didn't want to see this because I didn't feel that Unbreakable needed a, uh, a sequel, and I certainly didn't feel that Split needed one, as much as I didn't want to see this, I kind of had it's high hope. Well, I had – exactly, Kelly. I was intrigued just because of how much I did like Split because I feel that Split – and I got to watch that again this week, and it's so – Split is so focused and – uh, and and just competent and like he knows exactly what he's doing. Split is a super elegant story about three characters: uh, a victim, uh, a monster, a criminal, and a detective. Uh, and each of the characters has a unique twist. The detective is a compassionate psychiatrist uh, who's been treating and who cares for the criminal, and she's trying to puzzle out what's going on. Of course, mm-hmm. James McAvoy is the, is the criminal, is the monster. His his performance in, in that is really good, and I felt like M. Night Shyamalan understood that and captured that very well. And then all of the, the, the main narrative thrust are the reveals about Anya Taylor-Joy's character. So there's just so much going on in Split, and it's such an economically told story that I was just so surprised at how I felt like in in glass, so many elements I didn't understand why they were there, including the whole Anya Taylor Joy thing, and and why was it called glass? Like, I didn't see any sign of the guy who who made such an elegant movie in, in Split, and that was a big disappointment for me. I think I brought high expectations to it. And she's not a comic book trope. Like that's where did you get that uh, the M Night Shyamalan character in this was the guy from Unbreakable, and then he refers to someone being murdered in his apartment, and he's referring to the psychiatrist. From- Split. But the okay, psychiatrist cool. from Split is murdered in uh, in uh, James McAvoy's basement. No, isn't it her office? Nope. Or who's the... Nope. She because no, I, I just I just that... watched it. I wouldn't remember that. It just, she goes to where he works at the zoo to see him, and, and then when uh, when Anya Taylor Joy gets out, wait, do I have that wrong? No, I'm right because because she's oh. Does so uh, James McAvoy drugs uh, Betty Buckley? Does he take her back to his apartment? That doesn't make sense i don't remember now okay because she's Cause I in thought the, it was in the office like when he said that the movie went, oh yeah in the office no she goes Maybe to I see him at the remember. zoo uh and that's where she meets or in the apartment dennis at, no at the zoo she goes to see him where he he works in the basement you don't know it's a zoo yet where he works at the basement and she decides she she figures out what's going on and she says you know i'm, I'm really intrigued by this let me go uh i want to take notes so let's continue in my office at tomorrow's session and she tries to get herself out and she stuffs a handkerchief in the door so it'll stay unlocked uh and then she discovers Haley Lou richardson uh in one of the rooms and that's when james mcavoy comes up and gives her the knockout gas um okay so she just so, finds them so I, Kelly Wan, you might I don't doubt that there was some kind of callback, but I I don't know it, if it's specifically about Betty Buckley's. You don't character. know if it makes right. sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like well, like Dingus is saying, like I Dingus, 
I, I love the idea of taking these disparate movies and weaving them into a universe, and I, I, that's clearly what he was trying to do, so I wouldn't be surprised that there was obviously some sort of a callback going on there. Um, this is Gla- – Mom Glass is one of our three main characters. Like that, it's her origin story. And she, the lobotomy does nothing. It gives him a flashback, but he's fine. All well, right, that's, that's one issue lobotomy. I have. lobotomy. He's, he's rejiggered the machine so that it doesn't do that to him. Uh, okay. Oh. He's taken the glass out of the machine. Oh, that's what that was. Thank you, Glass. Because well, I, so, I wondered, too, what, why he was looking at that little laser lens, and Dingus absolutely has it. Yeah, absolutely. He was having a flashback that he designed the machine to give him. Yeah, so what I was thinking was going to happen was that he was actually going to be altered, and he reprogrammed it so that that didn't happen. And well, that's he, fine. And, and then he kills that, that dude who who's the long talker or whatever, and he says, it took a long time for me to find this particular pace. Yeah, and then he, and then you have that whole flashback of him taking the right. the, the lenses out and all that. Right. He's some you know master he's been... planner. Yeah. Cameras, master plan. Can't wait for <laughs> him tech. to meet the ocean master. It's uh, awesome. See, so in in this movie's mythology, because <laughs> another thing too is I don't understand this universe he's trying to create. Is it this idea that's that's floated and unbreakable that for every uh, super exceptional person. There's a counterpart. That there's two of them. Uh, if that's what's going on here, where? Yeah, exactly. Like, wait, isn't there a Andy fourth Taylor one? Joy. Well, that's what I. That's what I thought. She has was one gonna... personality, Tom. She's the opposite. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's a girl. She has one strong girl personality, and he is 38. But then, I, so th- th- even then, like, is Samuel Jackson? Like, there's nothing. How is? How is he a superhero? He has a, he has a genetic He's disorder, genius. and we can maybe come up with this idea that Bruce Willis's exceptional power sapped his strength and his, uh, you know, no, him no. being normal. Or, well, well, they're, they're opposites is the idea, but I just don't understand how. He loves water. <laughs> but how is he? So there's this idea that there's been a 10,000 year organization, and and I, right. I, you know, these kinds of twists, I'm I'm Sam up for Jackson this kind of thing. Yeah. But there's been this 10,000-year organization that has tried to prevent gods from coming onto Earth and uh-huh. upsetting the balance. How is Samuel L. Jackson one of those? Yeah, how is he a god? He's pretty easily. And the thing is, they aren't literally gods. Obviously, it's He's just the that least they were... godlike. Well, they they were but... previously like I like this idea, and he didn't explore it. It's just kind of a, a little hey, think about this bomb that gets dropped at the end. Presumably, the idea is when he when she mentions ten thousand years, is this goes all the way back through religions and Greek mythology and all of this stuff. Right. Is that these exceptional people exceptional people Jesus. have been appearing and mythologies build up around them. And he does avoid the word religion, right. it's mythology he's talking about. But mythologies build up around them. Again, I just don't understand how Sam Jackson, this super clever villain guy, is like is like a god. It's like one of these. I mean, is it just anybody? Because he blew up a train, Tom. Is not, it anybody who's no normal su- man can do that? <laughs> but is it? Yeah, is it anybody who's super smart and calculating? Is he even smart? <laughs> that's my question. Yeah, yeah, totally. Go, well, that, I All mean, that's right. the, that's the internal tech. fiction of the movie is that he's one step ahead of Sarah Paulson the whole way. He didn't outwit Bruce Willis 19 years ago. And he didn't outwit. I mean, that this, his way of outwitting Sarah Paulson's depended on them going to a bus station and everyone going, "Hey, Sam Jackson, that guy we've, we've never this, that terrorist guy. He's our friend now. He sent us this uh, YouTube clip." Well, I no, I don't think that. What's that's the implications the of that? No, it's not the implication of that. He can still be a supervillain and be unleashing villains upon the universe. 
He's he's is that what he's doing? Mrs. Glass and Andy Taylor Joy are a super villain group at the end. There's an element to this that is very much along the lines of Infinity War and um, uh, any of the, the end of the trilogy. Any, any of this sort of like let's bring balance to the universe or you're to blame because uh, whenever you guys disturb whenever a hero appears then villains appear that kind of thing i mean that's that's a trope that that goes Sith. on so so he glowy thing with or... one of the difficulties is this outlying and this is another thought bubble <laughs> this is where your eyes grow wide and there's thought bubbles oh there. god oh bad um, writing or good yeah. writing I think there, see <laughs> sam jackson there's this thing where I'm thinking where he's he where I have to think about all of these three deaths, which we have writers talking about that too. About uh, you know Justin D. Hurd also says, um, could we kill off the leads in a more satisfying way? And and Josh Lubliner also says the principals die at the end. Well, that was kind of a bummer. I mean, how can we can we make this? Uh, can we make uh, Bruce Willis's death at least either, either more more sad or meaningful? Those those that was such a your welcome slaves and his son's right there and everybody's oh, it's so dumb. Whatever. But okay. but as far as like Infinity War, that type of thing is concerned. I can never trust a death in one of these movies. Uh, uh, but that's uh, where he's doing what you're saying before. Like he's showing you how it really is. Exactly, and that's why I think it's a great little Real matchup death. because. You know, Glass, there were times at the end of the movie, because her makeup was so horrible, that I was thinking that his mom was just going to peel off her face and it was going to be him. Um, oh, that would have been awesome. But okay. that, that doesn't happen. But I think what he's doing is he's basically opening the gates of hell. I think that's his point. He's opening the gates of hell. He That's why they're sitting in the bus station. They're waiting for these other heroes to show up. But he... His ultimate point is to open the gates of hell so that, uh, you know, for him, truth is allowing all of all of this to pour into our world without the um, this weird overarching conspiracy company killing everybody off every time one of us shows up. He's he's kind of uh, emancipating superheroes in a way. Why is the focus on those three on Annie Taylor Joy and the Sun? Like, what's their role in that new world order? What are they? What's the comic book trope they represent? I don't think they do, but they are each connected to the one of the heroes that that he is a part of, either him or the or the one that he's cultivated or the one that he created. An origin uh, story. It's this. Doesn't he mean their origin story? Those three characters? No, he's talking about the uh, nothing to do with them. Because he's it, that flashback plays while we're looking at them. That's why I assumed that there was a linkage. I think he's talking about the origin of a universe story. I don't think he's talking about the origin uh, of the character. Tom, you buying this? Uh, well, uh, yes, and I think it's a bad choice because that's not what an origin story is. But I, I do think that Dingus knows what M Night Shyamalan was trying to do. And I, I think it's yeah. Uh, I, I it's think it's not their origin story. Well, I, I don't. I, I think that's not what an origin story <laughs> is. He's appropriating the term for this concept. Uh, right. That, that you're absolutely right, Dingus. Is he's wanting to 
it's 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 his twist at the end is ah they're dead but guess what it's an origin story for a new universe a new mythology that's begun uh, i'm a glasses Arya star get ready <laughs> but but to to get to the idea of those three characters because that again is just so clumsy where they're just standing there on the steps Together. watching this penny ante fist fight on the, in the parking lot <laughs> but each of them feels like someone who is dragged in on another character's shoe like none of them really yeah. has any it, it's not like there's there's a th- these relationships were established in the previous movie in a way like and i think as i can understand watching unbreakable that must be something you really appreciate is the relationship between spencer clark treat and, and bruce willis the, the father-son thing that's clearly very meaningful and i see what he's trying to do even though I, I don't feel it, it works very well in Unbreakable, but clearly that's what he's trying to do there. Uh, the 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 victim criminal thing between Anya Taylor Joy and James McAvoy in Split, I see that relationship there. Uh, the flashbacks with Mr. Glass in Unbreakable, they're fairly poignant. It opens actually with his mother, a, a scene with her. Um, and that's to give his character some depth. But none of that, all of that just feels so obligatory when these characters are dragged in from these other movies to stand there and watch. Like, I didn't feel that... Passively. Yeah, that super passive, and it just felt obligatory. Like, hey, remember this character from this movie? And, like, each person had to come with some bystander that they brought in with them. And none of them are textured at all. Yeah, I mean, glasses, they, huh? they, they were in the... I mean, they, they had... The relationships were, were cool in the previous movies, but there was no inkling of that, I felt, in this movie. You could see him kind of trying with the banter between the son and Bruce Willis early on with the overseer Ugh. stuff. Like that was kind of cute, I guess, but you know, like that, that, that relationship. The son's flash now from justice league. He seemed that dumb. Like he seemed really annoying. And yeah, I think that sidekick. I think that's an actor. issue. <laughs> I, feel, yeah. I feel bad for that. So I watched this movie and I can't help but think I know. So talk about, here's a movie I love that you guys didn't like. I look at Spencer Clark treat and I think of him, oh, yeah, there's the guy that Bambledam made kill himself uh, in Last Ooh. Exorcism 2. <laughs> yeah. in, in Last Exorcism uh, 2, yeah, he was yeah, the boyfriend yeah. that, the, that the demon Bambledam got – because a- Ashley Bell was into him, and they had a relationship, so Bambledam made him kill himself. And he – so here's the thing is I think that actor yeah. is kind of a dork, and he gets cast that way, and that's fine. <laughs> uh but, uh, yeah, there's none of that cute little kid in Unbreakable who really, really wanted his dad to be a certain kind of person. Like, now that he's grown up and he's just a 20-something version of that, he's a fairly good-looking guy, but he just looks like a total dork. I, I don't know that I, – I just felt bad. There didn't seem to be any real connection. That's partly on Bruce Willis, by the way. Bruce Willis yeah, sleepwalking through another role. Like, Bruce Willis is so disinterested these days, and it shows. It yeah. rubs off on the movie, and – that's that's a whole other issue, though. Well, Tommy McGuire looks like a dork, but there, there's no reason why Spencer Tree Clark couldn't be a superhero. I mean, he's got a nice body. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a. He's, oh my he's, god. He's pretty good at, at acting, and, and also imagine like on like Aunt May, uh, presiding over the death of Spider-Man and ushering in a whole new Aunt universe May of superheroes. I mean, I, I think that's what he's doing. He's, he's. I, I honestly think it's like he's opening a portal. Oh, oh so you do think that those three are going to end up being like superheroes, or I, do, I don't. No, oh, oh, but okay. I, I, but I think, 
I think that your your point about them kind of being what did, how did how did you put it like it's like they got dragged in on someone else's shoe like they dragged, sort of dragged into the somebody else's yeah. and Dingus shoe? says he has yeah. a nice body so there's a bit of a disagreement <laughs> he does he's got a <laughs> no, I fine body I like that that was how you defended him to Tom <laughs> like that's his he's totally See, cut. what's the matter with no, you he's, he's a good fit. body yeah look at those biceps Tom you can't step on those I don't think so I think I think they're all relegated to being like the the guy with the headphones on while somebody else is doing something more interesting yeah, yeah. but but I do think that they're waiting for the portal to be opened, and that's what they're doing in that bus station is the portal is being opened. Nah. And, and this is the modern version <laughs> of the portal being opened. It's things popping up. End in of a trilogy. It's, it's things popping up in your iPhone. That's how portals are opened now. Boring. And I, Not I, visual. Boring. I don't know. Well, also okay. – what are they Dingus, Let me I, I agree. Dingus, you're absolutely right, but here's an issue again with the execution of the movie. How is a guy bending what could just be a PVC bar on a cargo container? <laughs> how is a, a guy turning it, lifting – like you watch rioters. They turn cars on their side all the time. A super strong guy? Yeah, he could do that. Yeah. Nothing that got captured on film here – was spectacular. It's, it's, the, it's the stuff of any vanilla, boring YouTube video of a guy who's like good at karate or whatever. Like none of this. The idea that I think M Night Shyamalan wanted to sell is that this was exceptional footage that would make a difference. But what he actually shot, what he showed us in the movie, was so unremarkable and so just chintzy looking um, that I didn't. I, I'm not buying what he wants it to be and what role he thinks it's supposed to have in terms of opening a portal. Because you're absolutely right. I think that's the thinking here. But the stuff that we got to see in this movie, anybody could do. with It just could be faked so easily. Uh, but the, Chronicles my over. But again, yeah. uh, maybe I'm just giving him too much credit, but I think that's on purpose because okay. I know. that's plausible, <laughs> I deniabil- right. that's plausible deniability going forward because one of the last things Sarah Paulson's character, uh, Dr. Ellie, says to him is how close to you – how close to believing that you were normal uh, did, I, did, get I, did, did right. I get you? Did I get you? Right. I mean, it, it's important to her, and when the, when she goes into that <laughs> restaurant again, Don't I mean, there, there's that early restaurant scene which I loved, which is just a like when when he finally touches her, which is it's just us here. Uh, I I I I think it's that sense of of balance of how real can we make it, but how much can we make it so that it can seem like I can fool other people? And I think that's what's supposed to be going forward because I think that's that's what she's going to do or what that organization is going to do going forward within this universe is this idea of trying to disguise the idea of superheroes right. while superheroes are emerging. But Dingus, what I'm talking about are, are, uh, are uh, Mr. Glass's plot – to, to, to have the these things filmed and then pipe them out onto the internet to open this portal that you're talking about. The stuff ah. that he has filmed, like if he had, if, if this had been a movie where James McAvoy did turn into the beast that he thought he was with the full head of hair and the red eyes and the super long fingers that he describes, if there was something that spectacular that got filmed, that got released to the internet, I could see, yeah, that would create, that would like create a change and people would understand these things exist. 
But instead, we just see a muscle, muscular guy without a shirt lifting up a car, and we see a guy in a poncho bending a bar on a cargo container, and we see, I mean, what, what else? Mr. Glass's plot, like this was this was the the outcome of his plot. This was the footage that he captured by outsmarting everyone with the little camera reveal, and the footage just looked chintzy and ridiculous. Was uh, it? But one of the points in Split is mm-hmm. that the early doctor in Split talks about DID, which is the dissociative identity disorder, as as uh, she, early on that that doctor is talking about uh, how the mind can allow your body to change right. shape, can change yep. size yep. in different ways, and. So there are a lot of different ways that we're supposed to like be confused by this, and I think that he's he's basically dealing with the footage that he has. Uh, he's got this guy who can turn over a car, and for us, I can't turn over a car. Uh, one dude can turn over a car in this particular video, and you can explain it away based on the fact that he's DID, he's DID, uh, but that's not necessarily what's going on here. It's, it turns out that it's actually real. Uh, so I think that we're supposed to have the sense of, uh, the rest of the world is being, uh, is, is getting a cloud over their eyes. And now we're removing the cloud by showing a a video of, of James McAvoy turning over a car. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think superheroes. If I saw that, I'd go, Oh, those people are crazy in that asylum. But, That's my takeaway. Uh, what's what's the what's the uh, what's those cars the, are weak. The Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix, the Joaquin Phoenix one that we disagree. You were never really here. Right. Um, I think that those things are are shown only from the security cameras that that that. But that's o- the only footage that he has. So that's so terrible are you, plan. But yeah, the the idea, though, is that Mr. Glass is super smart and he's outsmarted Sarah Paulson. Skyscraper thing would have been better. Yeah, exactly. Like to not have the skyscraper thing. Like if if there had been a crazy fight at the skyscraper and James McAvoy had just climbed up it easy as you please. Yeah, that would freak people out. That would make a difference. Um, (laughs) But instead, all he can get is footage of a guy turning over a car and bending a bar and a break in a water container. Um and those are people's reactions to seeing that online. Okay. Like the thing is, Ding, is I don't know from this movie, did Mr. Glass succeed admirably or did he fail? Like is his plot – because I think, I think the end of the movie wants us to think that he succeeded. He's a genius. It's called Glass. Right, right. That, yeah, because yeah. I think that's the idea that you're getting at, Ding, is, is that, yeah, the, the, the scales have been lifted. People are now going to understand this group has failed to contain this situation with these three superheroes. Checkmate. Right, but the the checkmate we saw just looked really chintzy to me. I don't see how anybody would see any of those videos and think anything other and, and nobody would see those videos and think, yeah, superheroes are real. I I think that I think it's deliberate. Um, yeah, like uh, but that. because I think that the people and I think this is there's a slightly uh, I don't know political element to that that that, that you see what you want to see and. Uh, and and people who are already what he's trying to do, what, what his purpose is, and stated at the end, I think, is to to tell those who uh, have been told uh, you're not what you are is just totally normal. Don't worry about it. You you've got something else going on. Come here, a mass. 
<laughs> I think it is like Avengers Assemble, but it's like uh, um, uh, the lower class Avengers Assemble. <laughs> I, I really do. I'm going to go really back do. and listen to everything you just said. <laughs> I didn't understand a word of it, but I loved it. I loved it, and I didn't want it to end. Lower class Avengers Assemble is what I'm supposed to be thinking at the end of Glass. Got it. And the saddest part is, I actually think you're right. I think Simon was thinking exactly what you just said. And me and Tom were sitting there going, why is he telling us this? And you were like, what class of Avengers Assemble? Guys, come on. Amanda Taylor Joy's face is obviously... She gets it. Hello, class of Avengers. Y'all don't understand Shyamalan? Oh, idiots. Right. My also favorite part that you just said is at one part you went, I think he's saying <laughs> like midway into your thesis. Well, like, I'm, I'm working through this. This is why we're having No, a- I know. I want you to be right. I want you to turn me. I'm really trying to like, because I really like the first half of this movie. I want to be the, I want to be the one guy who liked Glass. And I, I thought I was <laughs> for half of it. I was like super, I was drinking beer, watching Glass. Yeah, Glass, let's get in there. This, I'm so glad this exists. And then at the end I was like, where's my bong? Damn it. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Uh, did you guys I, see any – like the the stuff in – like there's some really cool scenes. And, and you remember how unsettling it is, that fir- that opening scene in Split where they get in the car and Anya Taylor-Joy is looking at the, at the rearview mirror and sees the little mm. food containers. Like yeah. he, he's a super subtle – like he can be a super subtle filmmaker. And, and, and getting the, unbreakable when that blood's spreading behind Bruce Yeah, yeah, exactly, Kelly Watt, yeah. exactly. And it's in the That's foreground. Creepy. It's in the foreground. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you guys see any sign of that here? Like what – can you no. think of a scene? So Dingus, can you stand up for M. Night Shyamalan as a crafty, clever, sly filmmaker at, at any point in, in uh, Glass? I like the visuals of the pink room. Uh, okay. Okay. I can There's... I can stand up for him uh, for point A, and then I will have to say that he unfortunately no. Don't okay, back so, down. So I really liked the moment where <laughs> where uh, where David Dunn walks in and he puts his his hoodie on the hooks and the, all the hooks are empty. <laughs> I really like that. Uh... Um, but then he kind of ruins it by later on explaining to us that she died of leukemia or whatever but i really like that moment where he walks into the house and he puts his his uh his hat or whatever he does onto those empty hooks because there's no there's nothing there's nothing else on those hooks and it makes it clear that his wife is no longer there right there's nobody else i wonder if she turned i wonder if he didn't want her because everyone every character needed to have only one character be there at the end of the bus station and to have two Bruce Willis characters and only Anya Taylor Joy from McAvoy yeah, would have felt. She's running around in Wonder Woman movies now. What does she care about glass? <laughs> yeah, I know. But she added, I think, she, I mean, in Unbreakable, I thought she added a certain quality. No, actually, missed. you are right. So I'm, I was just being facetious there. But yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I would have liked to have seen her here. I, when yeah. she's talking to glass in the hospital and right. she's trying to yep. like, yeah, enough of your dumb questions. And then she just instantly answers him in the middle yep. of some other that's great. Yeah, yeah. That's not in this. I, uh, Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson. And I like. I've been seeing a lot of Sarah Paulson lately because I. I love that you characterize her story. as Bird Box's Sarah Paulson, Kelly Wan. I know. <laughs> wow. I only. As know opposed to OJ's. Sunset on the uh, or what? What's the uh, the television show she was in? That was the basically the SNL. Oh, Sunset Strip or 
Studio 54, whatever we were talking Studio about last 60 week. Studio 60 on the Sunset Street. Studio 60, yeah. And she has those keen painting eyes, and you also have the Anna Taylor-Joy eyes. There's a lot of cool eyes in this movie. Don't <laughs> and don't forget Spencer Clark treats body, Kelly Wand. Yeah, yeah that's seriously. right. <laughs> that's what I call a lower-class Avengers body. <laughs> <laughs> Dingus was thinking Hawkeye. <laughs> Give him your purple, Mr. Class. <laughs> Lower class Avengers. Uh, yeah, Glass. Woo! January. So, Woo! Uh, we, we have a writer in her named Ian Slutz who, uh, who wrote in, and he said this. Uh, he's, he, uh, he said it had an odd tone and strange pacing, but he had a yeah. great time watching it. Um, but... He had this this idea that I really liked. Uh, he, Ian's, Ian's talking about the movie appeared to be built on the ex- an extreme interpretation of the "what doesn't kill you make you stronger" concept. Um, so for the, so this is just him talking right now. Uh, for the main for the principal characters, Casey Cook included are either trauma survivors. Uh, are each trauma survivors, sorry. In what each about the case, their right. trauma has left them with a deep wound, but has provoked a diametric force that has given them incredible advantages. Not only that, but we learn that there's a conspiracy of normal people who wish to su- suppress their strengths. Well, right. Ian's bringing up the whole point that, that Split was built on. The, yeah. the the reveal there. I mean, what Ian is talking about is just Fallout from Split, which I will certainly defend, and I thought that was a great touch in Split. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah, that's just incidental carried over, I think. Uh, I mean, it's definitely there, so he, he is right. Uh, it's what all those captive girl movies are trying to do, and only Split succeeds, as opposed to, like, right. captivity with yep. the well, that's, that's what I was nervous about when we watched Split, that it was just going to be a captive girl movie. I also didn't remember that was in yeah. Unbreakable too. I thought that was really weird in Unbreakable when it became. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, that uh, was super weird. In Unbreakable. Yeah, I just well, felt the it kids was... though too. Yeah, yeah. The kids. yeah. Just they felt... save him. Uh, it just felt weird. Then, like, I, the thing is, that the felt weird. Spitting water on her face and waters Bruce Willis. That right. That felt weird going back after having watched Split and seeing. Oh yeah, well, M Night Shyamalan likes you know kids locked up. Uh, stuff. Not well, like, it's, it's, it's the it's unbreakable a, mythology. Like it's a universe where people abduct women all the time. I guess. Well, he also has a water in all three fetish. movies. He's got this weird water. Yeah, fetish. the water the thing. Signs. Right, right. Yeah. From signs. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, that's the dumbest one of all of them. Like I'll take Unbreakable's dumb no, one. because over signs. I th- I think there's some really like the there's some really cool scenes in signs like the basement and the knife under the door. Sure. Like, I'm saying the some... water. Oh, oh right, right, right. Okay, sure. Is dumber than even this. Because uh, okay, if... yeah, we can't breathe water. I don't know what water. <laughs> yeah. Well, even <laughs> like the like, lady in the we... water, this the the knife in the swimming pool. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> but six cents, there's no water, right? Does <laughs> uh, help to see the ghost? Yeah. Is that the only one? And village is uh, color yellow, like Green Lantern. <laughs> water. And last Airbender's water. Yeah. Uh, oh. the the grandparents one? water plants yeah what what's the what's the grandparents visit one is that one um they the grandpa smears uh, uh, water on kid's face okay that's not water 
<laughs> Just make some rap better later. I haven't even seen the visit nuts. Yeah. Oh, you didn't? Oh, Dingus. It's not for oh, you, but, Dingus. But, Why? Some don't, good... don't make Dingus what? see the visit. It's not for Dingus. Uh, remember the grandma in the under the under the house. Hearing Tom, hearing Tom say that's not water makes me. I'm fine. Dingus, you feel like the, you've seen it. Yeah, the the visit is uh, if you if you look at horror movies as uh, things that that play on. Uh, fear or loathing that the visit is designed to appeal to our disgust with old people which yeah. i just yeah <laughs> which is great no that's fine no, that's um, totally I, valid. Well, I mean that's what makes it work and i just yeah, felt yeah. very uncomfortable watching it and very uncomfortable with it. yeah yeah uh, in a in a lovecraftian hey those no, those jamaican guys worship a lovecraft no i will not accept the word lovecraftian in relation to the visit what are you on about I'm just saying, oh, old people are gross. Let's go with that. How oh, is that Lovecraft like, yet? Kelly Wan, don't I'm not saying, I'm saying Lovecraft takes race, and it's like, yeah, it's all true, dude. But, like, it's like a Cotton Mather's right. Like, there really are witches. But Lovecraft doesn't ba- like Lovecraft doesn't make his horror stories about, about black people. It's just some latent element of it. This is, this is literally <laughs> about loathing uh, for old people. Literally. There's no yeah. metaphor here, Kelly Wan. It's completely spot on the nose, the visit is. Uh, I will so not accept your metaphorical. I will not accept your comparison to Lovecraft. I, I think it's a lower class <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. All right, <laughs> enough of you. Right. Uh, but it's got a really nice body. The grandma at, when we see her. Uh, All right. So Josh Lubliner also says that uh, Unbreakable is cool because it takes place in a world where comic comic books exist, but superheroes don't. Our world. In other worlds, in other words, uh, the twist, the reveal, the whole movie is that Dunn really is a superhero. Uh, in addition to the fact that Glass is a supervillain, what makes it work that we slowly come to understand is that the world of the movie is not quite our world. As a side note, the most superhero movies don't acknowledge, and this is why I'm reading what Josh wrote. Um, don't acknowledge the existence of comic books because it opens all cans of, all kinds of cans of worms. Logan does it in kind of an interesting way. Right, because there's comics in Logan. Like, he sees himself in the comic. Like, he sees a Wolverine comic, doesn't he? Yeah, no, it's a plot point. I don't remember that. Yeah. No, it's a plot point. It's how the kids were yeah. communicating information about where to go. Yeah. Right, right, right. I mean, it's it was amazing. this whole idea yeah. of comics as a... Uh, I think way more subtle and smart than what Shamalian's doing, uh, of comics uh, as a sort of a viral transmission of ideas and inspiration and hope amongst children. Uh, and he casually dispenses it like, yeah, this has been going on, and this is also like the near future. Well, too. it's also like Logan is super dismissive of it at first, like when he right. sees Laura reading it, he's like, quit reading that crap. And then later the reveal is, this is the stuff that kids were using to communicate the destination to each other about where they had to go. Um, but if you yeah. hadn't read a comic oh. and you were like, oh... So it's like uh, glass. That's what comics are like. Like you wouldn't want to read a comic. Yeah, there's no action in them. They seem kind of boring. It's, it's sort really of talky. It's kind of weird too. How and I don't know if I respect this or wish he'd done it differently. But this this is the world that, as Josh points out, takes place in Unbreakable, and the world that we live in now, 19 years later, nothing where like Disney it. has Marvel and everything mm-hmm. is comic books. Like. 
I kind of would have liked. I kind of wished he had explored the world as it is today instead of the world as it was in '93 or whenever. I thought he was gonna, and I was kind of. I think on a subconscious level, I was really excited about that aspect of this. Yeah, but I just I don't think he's interested in that. Like I I I think he wants comic. He in his world, comics are still the weird little store with the the incel, as you call them, Kelly Wand, uh, at the desk. Like that's. And that's not what comics yeah. are anymore. That's not. That's how far Annie Taylor Joy has to go to learn right. about comics. Exactly. As exactly. To, um, <laughs> you know, that's actually a really great point. Do you want? Do you want them, Tom? Then to go to? Do you want her to go to a movie to see? Yes. Things? Well, I mean, that would have. I, or to stream right. on Netflix on her computer. I mean, the thing is, he he made a definite choice that this was the world of Unbreakable and not the world we live in today. So I yeah. I, I don't necessarily want to tell him what to do. He was not interested in telling a story in today's uh, use of comic books. This is a this is like a period piece in in that regard. Yeah. Um, uh, but there is a lot that could be played with in terms of tons. if it had been set today. And I just don't think he wanted to play with that, and that's fine. Uh, but that Again. sucks because it would have been it would have made the movie even more interesting. Like way more interesting. I mean, like, that's what's so odd the, about Unbreakable is it predated all that. So yeah. we're doing a movie podcast, and I didn't even think about movies. I was just thinking about, and I've barely been in a comic store, comic book store, maybe a, a handful of times in my life, and I didn't think about the fact that why aren't you just having them go to why aren't you having them talk about movies based on comic books? They do show. I mean, you can barely see it. They must have gotten like I don't know if they got slapped down by Disney or Marvel, but they did get footage of a of a Batman TV series. I don't know is that public domain with Burgess Meredith yeah, as a penguin. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't know if that's public domain, but you know that there was so there were the Batman so TV exists. show existed in this universe, and certainly the Superman comic book, but we just didn't have this this mass explosion of comics that we have today like today it really is like it's a contemporary mythology every bit as powerful and important as things like like harry potter and star wars and uh and that it's just a whole different mythology than the one that that mr glass is talking about but he feels like i got i couldn't okay like after we saw ready player one and Mm -hmm. you tom were like i don't think Oh, Spielberg gets video games. Like you can't even tell what his favorite video game would be from watching Ready Player One. I can't tell what Shyamalan's favorite comic would be after watching this movie. Like it's so the, generic. I, well, do you remember the drawings that Mr. Glass is selling in Unbreakable? Yeah. They're yeah, super generic. Yeah. Like I, yeah. Like he's talking about, and, and here you can see the head size, and I understand what he's wanting. Like. Because I've seen yeah. people talk about the proportions and whatnot in comic drawings, and I've I've seen some comics that look expressionist and like I know enough about comics to know when some things are really cool and some things how they can be analyzed. But the stuff in Unbreakable just looked super generic and uninspired. Yeah. Uh, so and maybe that's yeah. deliberate too. And I couldn't translate what he was talking about either. Like the 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 in the in the Jaguar comic, yeah, the yeah. the villain's eyes are bigger and that's right, right. that's a trope uh, well, i don't know any of that uh and, should have shown bill maher watching the video in the bus station it's really interesting that you so. that you that you say that this is sort of a period piece but uh, because uh, another thing that josh lubliner says is that you know there's a youtube reveal at the end so it's yeah it, it, it's not it's right. it's a diff- it's not just a period piece it's, it's an a alternate universe exactly right yeah yeah, yeah. Where Photoshop videos are not known by the public, <laughs> but I don't know, man. Fuck. Well, I'm sure glad you like it, because I, I, yeah, I just, I, 
I still love Split. I felt frustrated by the end. And, like, I wanted to go back in time and, like, script doctor it. Yeah. Or, like, just take, fire him night after he's done with the first half and go, wait, here, just trust me on this. I, I will... Like, what I, I, I care about is 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 a, another thing that uh, jo- uh, Josh said is that it is that where it is is where it's how he's opening it up and where it's going next because if he can if this movie the makes the any trilogy. money yeah. and he can and he can continue making it or make it into a TV series or whatever no 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 what do you mean no <laughs> I don't want that uh, this what? is the end of the trilogy I don't want to fucking no it's not a there's trilogy. no Easter egg. Yeah, it is. It's an origin story. Are you out of your mind? Well, the thing is... He calls it it the East Rail Trilogy. That's his name for it. There's no Easter egg. What? The East Rail 177 Trilogy? Like, it does? What does that mean? East Rail? What are you you saying? That's the name of the train in the first movie. Oh, oh, oh. Nothing to do with the other two movies. Which, which, you know, I I presume his his kid sees... I mean, his kid sees that, actually, as a post-it note on on the... on the wall when he's watching TV upside down, which is a, a thing that he uses in the in this series of movies over and over again, that upside down camera view. He's watching TV upside down and then he, he switches channels to, to uh, from things to things in Unbreakable. And finally, he sees that this there's this there's been this train derailment. And then he looks at the post-it note on the wall and it's and it's. What, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the refrigerator. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, I here's and another he's hitting thing. on someone in the first scene. Like, takes his oh, I love so so yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, I, was I wonder if her is her tattoo one of those. No, she's no. got a tattoo. I would remember that. Plumbing. It's not a club or it's not a club or a clover it's or not, whatever it was. It's yeah. not a club. Or... Um, I, I what I like about that is at first <laughs> he takes his ring off and you think he's like that kid in Jurassic World who's a, a scumbag <laughs> hitting on girls even though he's married. And and you have that preconception of him, and you're like, oh my right. god! And so there's kind of this, aha, you got shot down, you failed, ah, suck it. Yeah. <laughs> but then you find out that you know his marriage is falling apart, and they're both moving apart, and that he's he just doesn't have game anymore, and he doesn't know how to talk to this woman. Yeah. Like I like how that's a, you're introduced to the character, and you think one thing yeah. about him, and then additional yeah. information makes you see the scene in a different light. Right. Um, and you know where was that M Night Shyamalan in, in in this movie? Like, because that's a and great where was opening. that Bruce Willis character in this? Where's the sex drive? Bro? I think we've lost that Bruce Willis. I don't. I don't think that Bruce really? Willis is coming back. Yeah. I think. God, Die Hard Five was such a well, shit box. I think that his son saying "You look tired, Dad" is pretty much. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't acting. <laughs> I don't That's gonna let so. us know what kind of performance we're in for. <laughs> I did love that scene in Unbreakable where where Robin Wright is at the door uh, of his bedroom because they they're sleeping separately now. And she's like, "It's not going to make sense. It's not going to make any difference either way. I'm just yeah. letting you know, yeah. it's not going to make difference either way. But have you been seeing anybody? It's not going to make a difference either yeah. way." And he says, "No." And she's just like, so Ugh. she cries and she's so relieved. So it's clear she was lying about that. She even if she didn't know it. Um, Why couldn't we have that character in Glass? Nope, we I got am. Spencer Clark treat and his nice body. Yeah, does he miss Sprite? All right, I'm never going to live that down. That's awesome. <laughs> no, Dingus, he's fit. He's definitely been working out. You can tell he's hitting the gym. Yeah, Bruce Willis is only allergic to water, not oil, Dingus. So that's good. Buddy film with Connor. <laughs> oh, nice. Connor yes, Willis. I want that. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, all right, Just well... Glasses jeans don't go on, I guess. <laughs> no love interest for the black man. Well, that's the Just thing going forward, is he's rebooted everything. Like, it, this... Th- the next Ugh. one he d- he does can be dirt cheap, so I wouldn't be surprised. And it's Blum, like, I'm almost positive there's going to be another one. Uh, no way. I'll bet you. Really? No fucking way. They're no so way. cheap, Kelly Wand. No. Bl- oh, so please. Blum no, will be another no, one. No. Are you kidding? Stop. No. So, Kelly Wand, I'm with no. you in that I, I think that th- these things no. make money. And once he doesn't, here's the deal, Kelly Wand. If he doesn't have to pay a James McAvoy, Samuel Jackson, or Bruce Willis for his next one, if he gets who wants to watch it, is by the rest of that question. No, it felt more like who to me like to they're it? like, we're done with this, kill us off. Yeah. <laughs> no way, Mama Glass and uh, oh, I'll watch an Annie Taylor Joy spinoff about her character. Do you watch it? Do you like Sarah? Books. Do you like Sarah Paulson? Because yeah, like, I love Sarah like Paulson. John John oh. Renninger, another of our writer in, writer inners, loved. She's great. It's a great role. I do like. And the idea that she's like, I mean, it's a good rug pull. I'll grant you. And it's even like an interesting concept that she gets through to them. Like, no, you you haven't done anything super. Like, but I would have liked 19 years worth of evidence refuted in that scene by her, because like Glass has been sitting there doing nothing for 19 years, so she has a good case with him. (laughs) But like, what Bruce Willis has been fighting crime for 19 years. Well, without the three of them, maybe I am for the shit. Um, Kelly will watch it. He just doesn't want it to get made. I'll watch uh, Anya. Okay. I'll watch Anya just stare at me, <laughs> which is what dating her would be like for her, because I wouldn't even be able to get two words in. I would just, <laughs> just keep looking at things. I just want to watch you walk around. Uh, and I didn't know she was British, so her accent's really good. I made fun of it in the opsis, but I, she's a British lady? I don't think – yeah, I haven't heard her trip up on the word anything, so she's doing well. She's played Americans that I've seen, so I just yeah. assumed she was one of ours. But yeah, she's great. She's aptly named. She's a delight. Good work, M. Night Shyamalan, for finding that. <laughs> Which girl? And now, right, so, in, and now she's an X-Men. Like that's to me – Wait a minute, what? She's one of the new mutants. That's she what just, the joke was about. She's she's gonna, she just looks stricken all the time nowadays. Well, I don't blame her. But that used to, like, in Split and the Witch, it kind of worked for the role. Yeah, I guess so. And she's really good in Thoroughbreds as non-stricken. She's as the showerer. Uh, what did you guys think about the whole uncle thing? Like, I got my uncle... Uh... Uh, you know, gotta say it, I guess. It's the only thing we have. We gotta know that her life's better since Split. So she has to say that. So, and that's all we learn about her, really. I say it was the safe choice. I mean, because when you watch Split, you don't know if she's going to kill her uncle. Like, you don't know. She's yeah. obviously got some resolve, and I like how ambiguous it is. Okay, what's she going to do? You know she'll stand up for herself. Um, right. But it's the safe choice. Is, oh, she got him arrested. Yeah. Okay. And it happens off screen like everything good. Yeah. So. Uh, but that's it. It's like Split ends with McAvoy not caught, which to me was a really bold choice. Right. In this uh, – well, the, I mean, and the point of that is old. the point of that in Split too is that the criminal and the victim understand each other. That they, they right. end up, and so it's not one of those movies where the victim has to kill the criminal. Uh, it, it's the, the twist of the movie is oh, they they know each other. They they identify with one another. But so n- neither of them has to die. Uh, that arc doesn't go anywhere interesting in this. Right. It, it just it, extends further. Exactly. Its own, the way it was before. So. 
So do you guys care whether or not they bring, they find a way, they do a comic book way of bringing these characters back? The original three who don't survive it? Or the three bus station buffoons? Here's... No, the, the three heroes who get who get who get dispatched. So I don't. I, There's I no don't, way they can do that. Yeah, I don't need Bruce Willis because Bruce Willis is just so bored, and I, it, it it it's just so obvious that Bruce Willis is uninterested in the stuff that he's doing these days, and it's really annoying. Uh, I still don't understand the point of Mr. Glass just being a terrorist who happens to have a genetic bone disorder and who's smart. Like that doesn't make him a member of this club. But he doesn't seem that smart. James McAvoy, I loved watching him in Split, and I don't think it just. There was none of the magic and the joy of discovering his character and his personas mm. and the mystery of the beast and is it real. Like that stuff drove Split. And without that, it's just a guy showing off different voices and accents. And so the thing is, I, I, I don't need them. Like, I'm his arc in this is. But, yeah. but Glass isn't a member of the club, he's the creator of it. The club. Okay, but I still don't. Uh, Jesus so, Christ. so a random guy who just is, blew up airplanes and trains. I, I just yeah, basically, Dingus, what I'm saying is, I don't, I don't know. Move on to a new cast. If M Night Shyamalan wants to do this, and I would love for him to continue to do this, and I hope that he finds his footing as a filmmaker that he found in Split, I, I would vote for him to just give us. New I would characters. say, don't even continue yeah. making. So, it. Dingus, do you like? Are uh, you asking because you would you're, say not even even continue with this universe at all? Not even make yes. it a thing. Which is not right. Kelly Wanda. It's already option. tainted. No, it's not yeah. an option. Blum, Blum makes what? cheap movies that that make more money than they cost. The next one is going to be super <sighs> inexpensive. It's making enough money for Universal. There will be another one as a business decision. What? Even if M Night Shyamalan, by the way, doesn't direct it, which I would be surprised if that were to happen. Uh, and I, I don't think that any of these cast members will be back. Dingus, are you asking no. because there are any of them that you would want? Maybe the sun would with his nice body. Uh, I would totally love. I would totally love to see the idea of this being like a cheap version of the Marvel universe. Uh, and I and when I prefer low class as an when they were, yeah, that's fine. When they were doing that whole uh, that thing, where uh, are you sure all of the footage has been uh, deleted? And the guy's like, "Oh, this is impossible." It was streaming oh at the God. same time. Uh, I was expecting there to be sort of this. Right. Uh, he's downloaded his identity onto oh. something else. <laughs> oh, like, like the way uh, Johnny Depp and Transcendence. Well, no, the way in uh, in Captain America, the way Toby, what's his name? Darn it, the Toby guy. Jones. Toby Jones. Thanks. Uh, downloaded his identity into all of these computers. Uh, that he had found a way to do that, and that that's how he would live on to be this supervillain in other movies. Uh, I, I mean, I sounds can, too interesting to for Shyamalan to follow up on. I know I could, I but I could see scene. a number of ways that that these can branch off. But I think Tom's right about as for, uh, as much as I liked the Bruce Willis character in Unbreakable, he just as an actor seems bored with doing this. Kind of Red stuff. herring the trilogy. That's my name for it. Kelly Wan, how about this? We move on. We have Sarah Paulson in the next one as sort of the, the antagonist. And as our protagonist, how about uh, that Arden Reich guy who is in Solo? What's that guy's name, Dingus? <laughs> Arlen Dolenreich. What's that guy's name? Ehrenreich? Ehrenreich. Alden Ehrenreich. Kelly Wan, how about we have him and Ansel Elgort? If only oh, they were so. 
<laughs> yeah. Ready, Dingus? Those are some nice bodies, bro. <laughs> I'm never going to live that down. Awesome times. Uh, you know. All right, Kelly Wan, tell the listeners what, what we're going to do next week and how they can participate. Do you like movies with soup in them? <laughs> can you think of three offhand? Is soup your favorite thing to look at on a movie screen? If your answer is yes, and why wouldn't it be? Send your top three soup scenes in movies to 3x3 at quarter to three dot com before uh oh my god another week of this so much time we wanted to make sure that everyone got a chance to talk about soup in movies because we knew it was going to be a very fertile fecund topic with lots of options so send your choices of soup in movies to 3x3 at quarter to three dot com before midnight of february Third Sunday? Yep, midnight Pacific, Sunday, February 3rd. Or is it midnight of the 4th on Monday if it's midnight? Is it, is it 12 oh, oh, oh. You don't call midnight – yeah, you, midnight is at the end of the day, not the beginning, Kelly Wand. It's at the beginning because it turns to p.m. or an a.m. All that confuses me. All of that confuses me, that a.m., p.m. stuff at around noon and midnight. I don't understand what – it would like, make more sense if it did switch over at 1 o'clock. It should be 12 p.m. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But 12.30 is 12.30 a.m. Very confusing. So in just keep that night. in mind when you're sending us your three favorite soups. Is uh, <laughs> Get it to us by 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, January, uh, February 3rd. Uh, Pacific time, by the way. And we'll read that stuff on the air. So join us for soups can't next say week. Superman without saying soup. <laughs> I'm Tom Chick. I have been here with Christian Mukowski. It's Christian Morosky. And Kelly Wand. For trilogy endings, I'd rather have watched Hobbits jump on the bed some more. How do you know there's a snowman in your bed? You wake up wet! I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. I have one job to do, to keep Kelly out of the light. Huh. <laughs> So away from Carol Ann. Gotcha. Soup. <laughs> <laughs>